Good morning. Good morning. Are we all really tired yet? Yeah. Oh, some of you know. <laughs> um, yesterday, I talked a little bit about um, the precepts and how um, I've begun to understand how you can practice with them and um, not make them. Use them to uh, as a heart practice, you know, to notice when we're coming from a place of um, separation, really, and how to uh, have them help us remember that we can actually all the time come from a place of wholeness and connect connection and how if we're paying attention to uh, to when we practice with them that they can point us back toward our um, you know point us to um, our I was going to say deeper selves but you know it's not deep in some other place, you know, this so-called deeper self is here. Not someplace else. That's why we keep encouraging people to uh, return <laughs> to their bodies, return to their present moment, and uh, when possible, open. Just be here and be awake. Can you guys hear me? Okay. <laughs> um, and the reason I'm talking about the, the precepts and the reason I'm going to be talking today about vow is because tomorrow um, Jeffrey is going to take the vows of a priest. And um, And that's not nothing, you know, that's a commitment to live life from a place that is beyond our personal conditioning, our personal preferences, our personal choices, it comes from a much deeper place. But I wanna say now, and I'll say again, um, I for one am, committed to um, as much as I can in the amount of time that I have left to committed to um, um, see, this, committed to well helping San Francisco Zen Center anyway and to recognize the lay path or the non-residential path as equally effective and equally um, valid, you know, because at San Francisco Zen Center, sometimes when there were so many priests around, especially when Richard Baker was there, that everybody thought 
the only the next stage in practice kind of I think that's the way people thought about it was becoming a priest and that isn't true that's not true that's not true at all um, but there is a difference right and the difference is that a priest takes um, different more different let's see they take the same vows, <laughs> so they're the same vows, but it's manifested in the world differently. They become an archetype that um, has certain response, I think, and so does Kosen and Laura, I think we agree on this, has certain responsibilities that non-residents and lay people don't necessarily take on. And so in that way, the requirements may be a little bit different, and I'm going to read them today. And another thing I want to say before we get started is that when we vow, when we make vows, it doesn't mean that we well, I guess this is obvious. <laughs> it doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes, right? Vowing is, a, a, I mean, life in certain ways, a continual mistake. We keep making mistakes. I had a very dear Dharma sister friend who wanted her name to be falls down, gets up. <laughs> <laughs> you know who that is? It's, it's, no, um, I always say she has three names. Yeah, that I keep forgetting which one. It was Roberta originally. Um, Kokai. Oh. Um, and I and I think that's a good name. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're laughing because it's a name we all recognize and even want. You know? Yes, we all fall down. The idea is to get up. You know, get up with some. You know, and then we take a peek, don't you? When you walk down the sidewalk and you and you trip, we turn around automatically to see what we tripped on. Doesn't everybody do that? So strange. <laughs> I was walking down the street not long ago and I tripped and I turned around, there was nothing there. <laughs> it's really funny feeling. Was it because I wanted to blame somebody? <laughs> yeah, something down there. I don't know. Anyway, so um, so when we trip, like on the sidewalk, and what you know, we're a little bit more conscious, maybe, of stepping lightly where we were. Maybe we're like Tassahara, where the ground are here. You know, we'll walk on places where the ground is uneven, right? We have to pay more attention. So maybe that's the same thing in our practice, you know. Hopefully it is the same thing. You know, we trip, we fall down, and we look to see, you know, what did we just trip over? You know, what what was the cause of the mistake? You know, we try to learn from what just happened. That's the most important part. You know, we're not about being perfect. I say this all the time. We're not about being some kind of perfect idea of who we're supposed to be. That's not what we're about. We're about being awake. And in order to be awake, 
I, I was hesitating saying it that way, but for now, in order to be awake, we have to be willing to be that mistake. We have to let out. If, we're, if our habit was to press down and be like this good person, we have to open that cage. We have to allow us, it's an experiment. Just try some other behavior and let what has been the energy actually that's contracted in there, let it out. We have to do that. And I think vowing helps us do that. Vowing is a kind of a light guideline, you know. It helps us orient our life. And taking vows, I want to say this, it, we move, we change. We change from being living a life based on our conditioning. to a life guided by our vows. That, that's why they're so important. For those of you who um, are not seeing this, we have two little Buddha, Buddha dogs. Buddha in the, in the form of dogness. And one of them is sitting in my lap. <laughs> So I'm petting her <laughs> as I'm talking to you. It's very comforting. <laughs> very nice. And then her brother just walked in and <laughs> is being petted over there <laughs> by Sansa. <laughs> anyway. You guys are much quieter than you were yesterday. <laughs> it's a good thing. So um, as we practice, what happens is as we um, let ourselves see these aspects of ourselves, these identities, these mistakes, these uh, conditioned, um, egoing moments, um, more and more as we practice, we're just not identified with that constellation of tightness and separation. So it was the other day, um, Laura and I went to Zen Mountain Monastery, which is an hour and a half, maybe, an hour and a half from here. And we had a lovely visit. And um, there was there were a few people there, and anyway, during the they had a, a nice little tea and flowers and stuff, and we sat down. We had a lovely conversation, and things came up. You know, you watch yourself have thoughts about what's happening and so on and so forth. And one of the differences, I think when we are less identified with ourselves. Um, we don't have those thoughts. We're not self-reflecting as we interact with the world. We're just interacting and things come up and so on and so forth. And 
um, Laura and I were talking about it as a, on the ride home. And I was saying that it's kind of a cosmic joke that um, as we're less and less identified with these various me's, um, and we think we're becoming free and so on, we are actually becoming free. Um, we imagine, I think, before that happens that when um, we are more than not free of our conditioning, that we'll be, you know, a better person, uh, whatever it was that you thought would be good, right? Better. But, and we are in some way, I mean, we're less angry and less graspy and we feel less separate. So all those things do happen. But the joke is, is that your fundamental personality remains the same. And if you're a little kooky, <laughs> like me, it's sort of like, really? <laughs> After all this work, I'm still me. I'm still the same. This kind of odd sort of person. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. At that point, it's kind of okay. So what happened was, as a as a kind of example, something happened. Not you know, um, not much later. We, she, and I. Oh, Confess. Is this a confession? I hope it's a confession. <laughs> well, sure, whatever. <laughs> I suddenly have to confess. Okay. Anyway, on the way back, we stopped at the diner that I'm sure you're all familiar with. You, I hope someday you guys are able to eat at the diner here. <laughs> they make, this is the confession, they make a terrific burger. <laughs> It's really, really good. I don't know exactly why it's so good, but it's, the whole thing works. It, <laughs> it's the, it's the, the bun is the right size and the amount of meat they put in it is the right amount of meat and it's cooked very well. And, you know, it's a little squishy still. <laughs> it's just a very good burger. I'm distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. So, but this is the point. So the point. So I. So we we had a really nice conversation, and I had a little bit of energy. And I'm the kind of person who has to be careful of my energy. Um. Yeah, that's just true. So in this particular case, um, I was rather exuberant. So I, the waiter came over and I included him in that exuberance, forgetting to take a peek at where he might be. You know? I was just exuberant. So I related to him in a, in a more sort of intimate way, right? Then for him at that moment was appropriate. And we both recognized it. And he pulled back just a little bit. And so it's, it's, I wouldn't say it reaches to the level of painful, but it hurts, wouldn't you say? You know, it hurts because the connection is broken. I can feel it now. Yeah. 
And so it was um, from a teacher's point of view, it was like a teaching moment. You know, you want, we had just spoken about this. So I mentioned, I brought it up right away. You know, I think I made a mistake. Right? And, we, and for the very reason that we talked about it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and so when the waiter came back, you know, it was interesting. It didn't come from a place of what I did next. It didn't come from a place of fixing. I didn't feel like I needed to fix anything. But I felt like um, it was appropriate to reconnect and to allow the waiter the possibility of being himself, to include him in the reality of us that was, you know, arising altogether, two people sitting at a table and a waiter coming over, you know. And so I did. I think I, I did. I apologize if I were to. Yes. I did. Yeah. I apologized, and and it was sweet. It was a sweet moment. You know, it was we reconnected, and then from then on, the interactions were lovely. And do you mind me adding? He said he enjoyed it. Oh, I didn't get that part. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just different for him. <laughs> Yeah, we were different. We were different. <laughs> and so then we decided that our lineage is the cookie lineage, <laughs> which is fine. You know, it's really fine. We all have individual lineages. We're all these individual, you know, Dogma say the Dharma positions. And it's wonderful and it's rich. It's one of the reasons why I like New York because it's rich, it has richness of all our differences, which for me makes it rich and tasty and challenging and life, right? The more life, more life, more kinds of life. Tangent, sad thing about um, that is that you know, we are losing that diversity in the, in the earth, um, animals and insects and plants. So we're losing that diversity, which is tragic and it's going to be consequential. I didn't quite know where to begin again. <laughs> I know you all feel the same thing, you know, it's grief about what's happening. You know, um, I think it's important to allow ourselves to feel the depth of that loss in the same way that um, in situations where, you know, people are like in systematic racism and stuff like that. We need to feel the depth of that pain. And then we can act from a place of not anger, you know, a place of reconnection. If you don't let yourself feel the grief, you can't forgive and you come from a place of anger instead of heart connection. I think we all feel the same thing.
because we're all connected. <laughs> it's, one, it's one thing. It's us that's dying, you know. So, uh, so I want to read you, to you, with you, the expectations that Jeffrey is. <laughs> you okay? That Jeffrey is signing up for. Cousin, you wrote these, didn't you? Together, over yourself. Mostly. With feedback, mostly. With feedback. These are terrific. And I'm going to take them back to San Francisco. Shh. <laughs> 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 I'm very subversive. <laughs> over there. But I'm going to take them back to San Francisco Zen Center and just, is that okay? We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't tell them where they come from. That's what we'll talk about. <laughs> you want me to tell me? I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> because they're really good. They're very clear. And I believe that we need this kind of clarity because if the priest's role is really clear, then we have a chance of making the practice of a non residential or lay person also clear because they're different. They're equally wonderful, but they are different. And I, anyway, I think they should both be acknowledged as wonderful. Um, let's see, where should I start? Requesting Shuke Tokudo to become an unsui or a training monk arises out of a clear and deepening desire to devote one's entire life to caring for the Sangha, temple life, formal Zen practice, the transmission of the Buddha Dharma, and the liberation of all beings. The aspiration to become a Soto Zen priest should never be anything other than an expression of bodhicitta awakening in the heart. If it arises from a desire for recognition, reputation, professional credentials, spiritual authority and power, or as a form of anxious retreat from the world, it is a corrupt intention that has the potential of causing great harm. That's clear. I like it. <laughs> to guard against this, Shuke Tokudo is best after a thorough process of training and discernment with one's teacher so that intentions are clarified before choosing to wear the okesa as our deepest aspiration. Okay. So here are the expectations before Tokudo. At least five years of regular, preferably weekly, practice with the Sangha, the BZC Sangha. Preferably two years of residential training with your teacher prior to ordination. <clears throat> A clear commitment to supporting BZC Sangha life through both taking up practice roles and general presence in community. 
daily zazen and zen ritual practice in both home and temple settings. Having sat at least 10 five-day retreats at one of the BCC temples. Completion of a 12-week course practicing with precepts if not already completed for Jukai. If identified as white, completion of a 10-month course, the Bodhisattva Path of Liberation, Racial Suffering and Collective Transformation. An explicit and ongoing student relationship with a BZC Dharma teacher. Regular practice discussion and retreat with your teacher. Specifics here are to be decided now. Regular participation in appropriate BZC groups focused on healing harmful social conditioning, including as appropriate, undoing whiteness, undoing patriarchy and BIPOC groups. And at least two years of showing your commitment to Sangha Health through membership and financial support of the center at whatever level you are able. So those are things to think about before even becoming a priest. And they're serious. Now, this is expectations during Tokodo. The process of Tokadu preparation ceremony usually takes at least a year and possibly longer. This is a time of wholehearted contemplation as you consider moving into a disciplined life of vow. From here forward, the Buddha way is the pole star of your precious human life. Zen training in the heart's vow of service reveals the wisdom of the ancestors and opens the immeasurable source of all Buddha activity. This is a time to take refuge with each stitch of the robe, clarifying your intention, study clo studying closely with your teacher, and work diligently to deepen gratitude for those who have maintained this path. And these are the bullet points. Sewing your okesa, zagu, raksu, and envelope with the support of the BCC sewing teacher Ordinance and Sangha, or to priest wrote, well, this is more like, you don't need to know that. Expectations after Tokudo. After Tokudo, you are a pillar of the Sangha. Others will look to you as an example of devotion to the precepts and three jewels of the Buddha way. They will receive from this upright practice, encouragement and faith. Sangha is your mirror. And wearing the okesa is an invitation for feedback that supports your devotion to your and our collective awakening. However, wearing the okesa also means many will offer their trust freely to you. Please endeavor to live a life deserving of this gift. Deepen your embodiment of the precepts and paramitas and wear the Buddha's robe with love, openness, and humility. From here on, the Sangha's heart is your heart. The world's heart is your heart. Okay. And these bullet points are a lifelong commitment to upholding the precepts and taking refuge in the three jewels. 
you can see how important it is, the precepts. An explicit and ongoing relationship with your ordaining Dharma teacher or training teacher. A lifelong commitment to service of Sangha and temple, including leading ritual ceremonies, pastoral care and minister of service and offering daily zazen and regular sashin. Continual training and leading daily zazen and zen ritual practice at home and temple settings. A lifelong commitment to examining and healing internalized and societal forms of oppression and domination. Discernment of and commitment to a vocation that is in alignment with your vow of service to the liberation of all beings. Additional year of residential practice with your teacher post-ordination. When it is possible, one post-ordination ango practice period in a Sotoshu recognized training monastery. Remaining in the BCC Sangha while in training and in Sangha more generally for the rest of your life. <clears throat> to maintain a shaved head and present as a pre, present, what, present. present as a priest in temple life. When representing the temple or when serving as a priest in any public function, Regular practice discussion and retreat with your teacher. Sitting a minimum of two five-day retreats and a monthly one-day sit, if possible, every year. Continue supported BCC Sangha life through taking up practice roles and being regularly present in community. Regular participation in a teacher-led pre-study and training group. Regular participation in appropriate BCC groups focused on healing harmful social conditioning, including undoing whiteness, undoing patriarchy and BIPOC groups. Monthly attendance of full moon ceremony to renew vows with Sangha. And during one's practice at BZC, an ongoing commitment to Sangha health through membership and financial support of the center at whatever level you are able. This is no small commitment. Because, you know, I myself feel strongly that the gift that we've received of the Dharma, um, I was going to say needs to be, who knows, you know, it's, <laughs> anyway, it needs to be, you know, passed on to the next generation. And some people um, who are willing, who, who, for whom that vow arises in them from a place deeper than your conditioned mind. Um, you know, need to come forward and be trained and want to carry the teaching so that the next generation of people has that wisdom, heart wisdom. <laughs> so I was going to read to you... Um, a poem by Katagiri about vow, but I think I'll wait till tomorrow and I'll read it then as we go over a little bit the uh, ceremony. Um, I will say one thing. I have a, another friend, Pam Weiss, who many of you know because she was here and was lay transmitted with Kosen. 
um, her, the, the um, what's most important, I don't know if it's most important for her, but her practice, her long time practice is about skill and means, skillful means. And this is the koan. It's a very short koan. I'll just tell you that koan. And then we'll stop. I was going to mention this in terms of uh, being a priest because it's, uh, if, if people project onto you, which they do, onto the teacher, onto the priest who is uh, manifesting that archetype. You have to not only um, deeply um, make conscious all of your uh, contracted places because it's exactly there that you will hurt other people. So you really have to do that work, um, psychological work. But even for lay people, the skillful means is something is an entire lifetime, lifelong study. And it's a joyous study, I think. So it's a teeny weeny go on. Two sentences. Now I can't see <laughs> to come with that. Um, uh, you read it. <laughs> I'm saying, a monk asked, asked you men, you men, what are the teachings of a whole lifetime? You men said, an appropriate response. An appropriate response. This very well could be argued to be the entire point of awakening in life. Thank you. So I will leave you at um, Thank you very much for listening and doing this practice at home. You guys are really important. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. <clears throat> thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.